Welcome to episode uh, what is it? 60, 62, 62 of Game of Thrones abridged on Alt Swift X, the only show where you, 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 you know what, you, you, you know what happens, you know, maybe you don't, I don't know, uh, look, it's, it's, it's just that kind of a show, you know, sometimes you know, Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have to make it up as you go along. You gotta improvise, you know? Who was that guy? MacGyver, right? MacGyver was, was that bloke on that show who um who improvised. Put put random things together to solve a problem. You know, you you you, you trap him in a box and you'll use a, a rubber band combined with a little propeller hat to to, to slice his way through the bars of, of, of the cage, and then he'll escape and run out into the tundra, you know? That's, that's, that's improvisation, right? It's like controversy, uh, you know? You gotta be careful where you put the emphasis on the syllable, and sometimes you gotta improvisationally improvise your way out. That's the message. Uh, but, 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 but we're going to be staying on tracks today. Just to warn you all, we're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to be so on point. We're going to be surgically precise. You know, uh, you know, new metaphor, it's like, um, you know, Elon Musk just like landed a rocket on a, on a rocket pad the other day. Isn't that exciting? Like, traditionally, you only launch the rockets off, off the rocket pads. Little Elon... Little musky boy, little musklet, little Elon Musk Jr., Jr., Sr., little Elon, he landed a rocket back on the place that he launched it off, I think, if I'm not making that up. Um, isn't that amazing? Next thing you know, we'll be, we'll be galloping horses right back to the stable. We'll be parking the car right back in the garage. We're getting to the point where a rocket... Is just like a totally normal means of transportation, like any other. You park it back where you found it. Uh, that that does sound more economical, doesn't it? Because otherwise, you got to leave your rocket bits just floating in space, and you know that creates all the space junk. Um, so let's not let's not worry about that. Uh, anyway, so 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 no tangents. Of course, no tangents. Welcome all to the um, to the live stream. This is going to be super live, super streamy, 2017. Hope you're ready for this. Actually, this is actually kind of a dark chapter, to be honest. This is actually, um, I mean, they're all dark chapters. <laughs> this is Game of Thrones, uh, so they're all dark chapters. But this particular chapter is um, kind of uncomfortably dark, because um, because let's just say it, it's it's about rape. This chapter is 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 about rape, a lot of it, um, and so we're going to have some discussions that are kind of uncomfortable, I think. Uh, but we will soldier through it because there is no. This is a this is a safe space. This is a swifty safe space, but it's also a space of intense intellectual discussion, academic intellectual discussion. Blah. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna make a balance, but we're gonna feel safe, but we're all also going to, you know, crack at the foundations of 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 society, man. We're gonna we're gonna subvert, man. Hashtag subversion. Um, 
Yeah, but all the trigger warnings, though, every trigger warning applies. Uh, we've got, we've got all, all, all of those. Epilepsy warning, we've got one of those. We're going to have a lot of flashing colours in this episode, so, um, yeah, any epileptics want to If you're allergic to gluten, uh, this episode is, like, 40% gluten, uh, so if you're gluten-free, you better watch out. Uh, if you are lactose intolerant, uh, you better take some of those little chalky pills, because we're about, it is milk, Ev- just, it's just milk, milk and rape, this chapter, milk and rape. I'm so sorry, I'm just reading what's on the page. Um, so, we're going to begin the chapter now, I think, we're going to begin, uh, Daenerys, uh, what is that, seven, Roman numerals, as soon as it gets past five, the Roman numerals really start getting upsetting. Um, but, um, we're reading Daenerys 7, which is the 62nd chapter of Game of Thrones, and it begins with the end of a battle. Uh, there's been a battle in one of the, uh, settlements of the Lazarene, because, of course, uh, George Martin has, has written a, a whole bunch of different cultures and sub-places and little villages, little villages, little places, where a whole bunch of people live in his great continent of Essos, a whole bunch of little different cultures with interesting backstories and funny names. Uh, and this funny name is one of the more interesting ones, actually. Lazar- L- Lazarine uh, is is what these people are called. What what's the normal normal noun? Lazar, or whatever it are, whatever it is. It sounds a lot like Lazarus, doesn't it? And Lazarus, of course, was that bloke. Uh, in the Bible, um, who Jesus liked so much that he resurrected him. That's cool. I wish he did. I do wish he did that for everyone, and not just his favorites. I mean, how many gold stars have I got to get from Jesus before he'll resurrect me? I'd rather like to be resurrected. Uh, uh, preferably, preferably. I mean, I, I, I hope I never need resurrection. But anyway, the point is that the Lazarene are named after Lazarus, apparently. Uh, which which is fascinating, because it means that resurrection and rebirth is unavoidably a bit of a subtext around these people, right? So, um... Uh, someone in the comments just described milk as, as, as some kind of mammal juice, and I, I got a bit distracted, sorry. But, but the Lazarene, resurrection, rebirth... Miri Mazda, uh, pregnancy, uh, and yes, indeed, sorry, rape. Those are some of the themes we'll be discussing in this chapter. But the chapter begins with the end of a battle. The La- the Dothraki have attacked a settlement of the Lazarene, because that's kind of what the Dothraki do. They're really good at fighting, they're really good at raiding, uh, and in this case, they attack a Lazarene town, and Daenerys there, Khaleesi is among them. Uh, and so after the battle is done, Danny rides through the fields of the dead. And the Dothraki are all just sort of hanging and chilling after the battle. Um, and so we get this description... Oh, George Martin does a metaphor, look at this. So, so George Martin describes how, like, the, the fields of the Lazarene have been, like, torn up and trampled, while a new crop has been sown... Uh, planting racks and arrows into the ground. Uh, so they've destroyed the actual crops, but they've put arrows and weapons in t- they've jammed into the earth, and they've watered these new crops with blood, as though they're watering for something to grow, but this with blood. So so look at that. Georgie, little George did a metaphor, and then he, he continues the metaphor for a times two combo 
metaphor multiplier by saying, oh, uh, and and also there are these there are these ladies, there are these blokes called the Jacaran. Jacaran. I'm assuming that there's a throat in there. Um, the Jacaran are called the Mercy Men because what they do after a battle is they walk around uh, and they behead dead and dying people. Uh, so they kill the dying and dead uh, and they take a harvest of heads, which actually rhymes, so it's probably something that Eazy-E once said. Uh, thank you, Matthew Tyler, for your kind donation. Uh, we will answer your question or comment at the end of the stream. See, we've got a system now, right? This show is so organized. You, you just wait a minute, and we're going to have, like, a theme song, we're going to have, like, a panel, we're going to have a brains trust, we're going to have opening and closing credits, we're going to have... We're going to have, like, an in-house band, like all of those American late-night li live shows do. Wouldn't that be great if we could just have, like, the roots just fucking twinging the tune while we were chatting about milk and rape? Mm. Uh, but, hey, that's that's just the that's just the, the wondrous absurdity of, uh, of 2017, isn't it? Someone can just sit here and talk about such things uh, to, to uh, a bunch of people live on the internet. Who would have known? Um, oh man, Hairless Oyster is going to town in the chat. Welcome, Hairless Oyster. Uh, and congratulations on your recent conquest of an opossum. That was that was you, wasn't it? There are some quite, quite, quite fascinating and, and terrifying and ridiculous things happening in the uh, Swifty Squad Facebook page, for anyone not aware. Uh, you should probably go and join that, because that there are marvels to see. There are sights to see. Indeed, uh, in that wonderful Facebook uh, group. Uh, romances are blossoming, in fact, I hear. Uh, so congratulations to all those involved uh, from Alt Triptex. Uh, so there's this great, wonderful harvest metaphor going on. We're talking is about corpses and death and such as though it were a corpse which is about gen a crop which is generating life, which maybe relates to the whole Lazarine theme, right? Um, so, like, you know, Lazarus is all about rebirth, and, and this planting of crops kind of hints at rebirth, right? Because they've just killed all these people, there's death, uh, but, but, but crops and planting weapons and blood to generate crops is about growing new life, which, so that kind of is about regeneration and resurrection, so that, uh, that almost is in keeping with the theme of, of the Lazarine. Although, I think maybe we're reading a bit too much into it, or spent too long on this first page, so perhaps we should ke keep, keep, <clears throat> moving. Um, so yes, basically there's been a battle, and now there's a lot of dead people. There are a lot of corpses, the crops have been trampled, uh, the dead and the dying are around, um, and there are these little girls who are employed, uh, I mean, probably not, paid as such, but, 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 but there's these small girls whose job it is to run around to all of these corpses on the ground to pull arrows from the corpses and fill their baskets with them. So they're like little flower girls, just sort of doopy doopy doo, just like skipping through the meadows. Um, but, but, but they're also pulling arrows from the dead. So yes, uh, dark chapter. I did warn you, dark chapter. Um, it's it's no forsaken winds of winter sort of type of a chapter, but it is, you know, it's mm, it's yeah. Mm. Mm. Um. All right. So uh, they also describe dead sheep. Um. So so that's upsetting. We always talk about how the horses get a bit of a rough trot 
in in this particular series, but the sheep also have have a rough one in this chapter. Uh, the Lazarina are apparently a big fan of sheep. They have a lot of talk of shepherds uh, and stuff. Um, so, that, so they're a big fan of sheep, but the Dothraki apparently are not such big fans of sheep. A lot of them are dead. Uh, and Daenerys, who is, of course, our POV, uh, notes that uh, the sheep were killed more by Karl Ogo's Kalasar, not by her Kalasar, Karl Drogo's Kalasar. So we learn that another separate group of Dothraki attacked this city before uh, Karl Drogo's did. Uh, but I think Carl Drogo sort of interrupted them while uh, while they were at it uh, and, and and won the battle for himself. Uh, so Drogo beat not only the Lazarine but also Carl Ogo's blokes at the moment um, in this battle. And so we're also told that the town is a fire. It's it's all made out of dry mud and stuff. Uh, and the Dothraki riders are sort of herding uh, the survivors of the battle together. Um, and they've captured not only a bunch of Lazarine, but they've captured a bunch of Ogos, uh, Kalasar, Ogos Dothraki. Uh, and they are now slaves. The Dothraki are taking the people from Ogos Kalasar, uh, and they're taking the survivors of the Lazarine, uh, and they're going to give them to slavers. And Danny expresses pity for them. She says she remembers what terror feels like. Which tells you sort of two things at once. Firstly, it tells you that, yes, she, she, she's, she's feeling sympathy for these people, um, and she, and she remembers, experience, remembers experiencing pain before. Um, but she remembers what terror feels like, which suggests that she's not feeling terror now. Danny has transformed into something more courageous, more powerful, more comfortable uh, with this weird situation that she's in. Um, so Daenerys is changing. Uh, but yes, the slaves are being captured. Uh, we get a bit of description of who the Lazarine are. Uh, so they're called the Lazarine. The Dothraki call them the Haishraki or something, uh, which means the lamb men. So the Dothraki uh, identify with horses. The Lazarine identify with sheep and horses, as it turns out, um, make fun of the sheep for being sheep. Um... So we get some description of what they look like. Apparently they look uh, similar to the Dothraki, but a little bit different in some ways. Um, they're a bit more squat. Uh, they have almond-shaped eyes. They have black hair, unnaturally short. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they like sheep, they like vegetables, and Drogo is not a big fan of them. Uh, so while all these people are being, like, herded around and put into slavery and stuff, uh, one boy bolted. One of the one of the captured boys, we don't know whether he's Lazarine or Dothraki, but one boy bolts and tries to run for the river, and then immediately one of the Dothraki riders, one of Drogo's blokes, uh, cuts him off and cracks a whip in his face, uh, and then they and then they just sort of attack him and lash him with their whips, and they and they whip his body until he's bleeding, uh, and they send him sprawling with a whip, and then. And then finally, when the boy can only crawl, uh, they grow bored of the sport and kill him with an arrow through his back. Uh, so, I did warn you, it's a dark chapter. People are, people are torturing children for fun. Torturing children for fun. That's, that's a real c c c c combo on, uh, on immoral, unpleasant behavior. Uh, that ticks all the boxes, or a lot of them. We'll we'll get even more later. 
Um, not, not again to put human suffering on some kind of a, some kind of a measuring stick. I think it's been said before that trying to have a dick measuring contest about whose human suffering is the most legitimate, uh, is, um, probably not good for anyone. But we got some people getting hurt. Uh, and then outside of the shattered gate, Danny sees Sir Jorah. And so Jorah is wearing a bunch of armor. And the Dothraki at first had made fun of him for wearing armor. Like, what are you, a fucking girl? Are you actually scared of getting injured in battle? And then Jorah, and then Jorah said, what, you think You think this isn't useful? You want to fight me, mate? And the Dothraki are like, yeah, I'll fight you. And then Jorah just killed the bloke who was making fun of him. Um, which on the one hand suggests, you know, a certain lack of diplomacy uh, on Jorah's start. Uh, on Jorah's part, um, you'd think that maybe Jorah could have could have uh, defused that situation without having to kill someone, but Jorah did. Jorah killed the person who was mocking him, and now the Dothraki mock him no longer for his armor. Um, and so, uh, yes, Jorah killed a bloke. Uh, and then Jorah says that Drogo, your lord husband, he says, interesting using the more sort of Westerosi parlance to describe Drogo, he says, your lord husband would like to see you, would like to have a chat. Um, and so Danny's like, is Drogo okay? Like he just fought in a battle. He hasn't gotten injured or anything, has he? Um, and Jorah says, eh, he's got a few, a few cuts, but it's cool. He's fine. He's like, he's still got like 98% HP. He, like, you don't need to worry about him. He's golden. Each of his pecs could take more of a punishment individually than a regular man's whole body. Like, just one of Drogo's quads could take like more of a lashing than, than a regular mortal man's whole body. And Drogo would just, would just laugh. You'd just be fine with it. That's how that's how tough Drogo is. It's like SpongeBob SquarePants. How much of a man are ye? Um, this much of a... I don't actually really remember the scene. It was from the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, I think. Anyway, um, so so Danny's off to see her husband, Drogo. Uh, and yeah, Jorah describes uh, how Drogo killed uh, the uh, competing Dothraki. Uh, who attacked the Lazarine. So, Karl Ogo's Kalasar. Drogo killed Karl Ogo, and then he killed uh, Karl Ogo's son, Fogo, uh, who inherited the Karl's Karlness after Ogo was dead. And so, Drogo killed two Karls in one day, which is a good day in, in Drogo's terms. It's like, um, is it is it an Ice Cube song that is like, it was a good day? I don't remember the tune to that, but, um, but Ice Cube sung about a good day once. He rapped about it once, uh, and Drogo, Drogo, I think, also just had a good day. Um, next page. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so Ogo, we, we get some description of Ogo's, Ogo's Kalasar. Apparently these guys are actually hanging out with Drogo and the other Dothraki in Vase Dothrak. Because remember, Vase Dothrak is a place, uh, where, um, all the Dothraki hang out peacefully. The, the the Kalasars that are normally competing uh, uh, are, are, are coexisting. It's like that terrible bumper sticker with all of the different religious symbols. All of the different Dothraki coexist in Vaes Dothrak, but outside of Vaes Dothrak, um, it's it's a free for all, and they're fucking attacking each other half the time. Uh, it's like in those uh, MMORPGs where like there's a safe place in like the town where you can like hang out and trade, but then you go out into the into the wildernonks, and then that's where people just start attacking each other in peace 
PVP. This is like a bit of PVP that we got going on here, right? Um, uh, so the Dothraki are attacking each other out here. It's the fucking Wildlands, mate. Uh, and unfortunately for the Lazarine, it's also in the Lazarine's uh, town, settlement, house. Doesn't it suck for the designating <laughs> designated fighting location to include your house? It's not even their fight. It's not even their fight. Uh, so that's a real pain in the ass. Um, anyway, so, um, so yeah, so the, so Ogo got, got his shit kicked by Drogo. Uh, welcome, welcome to Dothraki Town. Um, and, and they describe how, you know, at first, so Ogo attacked this Lazarine Town, and then Drogo attacked Ogo in the Lazarine Town, and also (laughs) attacked the Lazarine. Uh, and so Daenerys thinks about how, oh, maybe... Maybe, while the Lazarine were being attacked by Ogo, um, and, you know, shit was starting to go down, uh, maybe when the Lazarine heard new riders arriving at their town, when they heard Drogo arriving, maybe they thought that their prayers were being answered. Maybe they thought that someone was coming to rescue them from the attacking Dothraki, from Ogo's Kalasar. Uh, but, as it turns out, it was just Drogo's Kalasar who also wanted to kill them. So that just sort of reminds you exactly what sort of a situation, uh, exactly what sort of a world we're living in in this world of ice and fire. Uh, this is a godless world. Uh, I mean, yeah, there are gods, there are magical forces uh, who can do all sorts of resurrections and miracles and there are some weird trees, but the gods don't really seem to give a shit about you. Um, and prayers generally go unanswered. Well, not not only that, it's actually worse than that. That it's it's actually worse because the world of ice and fire isn't a world where there are gods who uh don't answer your prayers. Uh, they actually like to answer your prayers ironically and cruelly. Like it's it's like all the prophecies. It's like with the Valenquire and stuff. Like there totally are forces that 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 respond to to your questions and your needs. Uh, they just respond to it by just fucking just. Just shanking you when you're right, expect it. Just a frying pan to the back of the head when you least expect it. Um, the gods are not. The gods are worse than absent. The gods are uh, cruel and creative, and the gods have a little beard and a, and a little turtle insignia on their hat because the god of this world, at the end of the day, is George Martin. Uh, but yes, as the commenters point out, it is also uh, kind of hilarious and ridiculous um, uh, the way every bloody Dothraki has Ogo at the end of the name. It's like Drogo or Gogo up in here, so um, uh, so yeah, that's fun. <laughs> uh, oh, and yes, Headless Oyster, we are indeed going to be discussing nipples in this chapter as well. Uh, so that's that's great. Uh, trigger warning for cut-off nipples, though, um, because Drogo... One of Drogo's nips gets de-nipped. It's a bit of a worry. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, alrighty, so, uh, alright, yeah, so here's some not fun stuff. So, uh, the town is being sacked by Drogo's Dothraki, uh, and Danny observes a girl no older than Doth- than Danny. so what's that, like 14 years old, or 15, 14? Something very young, so a very young girl, uh, gets, uh, dragged by a Dothraki rider, uh, shoved over a corpse of pile of corpses, face down, uh, and then the Dothraki man begins to rape her, uh, and other Dothraki men uh, stand around to take their turns. So we are witnessing the gang rape of a child. Uh, I did warn you, dark, 
chapter. Uh, and then Daenerys Targaryen interesting, has an interesting reaction. Daenerys Targaryen tells herself, Oh, I am the blood of the dragon. She presses her lips together and hardens her heart. So earlier she, she expressed sympathy uh, to the people who were getting uh, hurt and raped, but here uh, Daenerys tries to harden her heart. So we have a sort of variety of different responses. Now that Daenerys has leveled up, now that Daenerys has become a more fearsome, courageous, um, uh, accomplished person in this culture of the Dothraki, I think she's mutable. She's like a bunch of stem cells, yeah? Uh, she, Daenerys could go a bunch of different ways here. She could go more towards empathy. She could go more towards uh, hardening herself uh, against empathy. Uh, there's a bunch of different ways, but we'll, we'll see the way that she goes by the end of this chapter. Um... So, uh, a bunch of Ogo's riders got away, by the way. Drogo didn't slaughter all of Karl Ogo's Kalisar. Um, but still, uh, Jorah Re reckons they captured about 10,000 people to be slaves. And Daenerys thinks about, damn, 10,000 slaves is a lot of slaves. Uh, that's pretty fucked up. Um, and she, and she wants to cry, but she tells herself she must be strong. This is war. This is the price of the Iron Throne. So, so we introduce this whole idea of Danny's main goal is to, is to conquer Westeros. Um, but she, we're introducing this, this tension where Daenerys acknowledges that in order to achieve her goal of conquering Westeros, uh, she really needs to make moral compromises. And that might involve things, uh, like slavery and, and torture and fucked up things that happen in war. Uh, so that's one of Danny's defining sort of moral tensions. Um, hmm. Gross things happening in the chat. Let's, let's, let's keep it, keep it cool, people. Uh, and so, uh, they talk about where they're going to sell the slaves. Uh, Carl Drogo is apparently going to drive the slaves down south near, uh, Marine or somewhere to sell the slaves, uh, and apparently, uh, apparently Marine is, 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 is paying a good price for slaves at the moment, uh, triple for boys, uh, and double for girls, uh, because they recently had a plague, so their plague, uh, their slave stocks are running low. Uh, so we we get a bit of a glimpse of the economics of slavery, because of course slavery reduces people to economic objects. In the same way, I suppose, that uh, this gang rape reduces people to uh, sexual, physical objects for gratification. Sla slavery reduces people uh, to objects of economic fulfillment. And I suppose that's why we are so uncomfortable with uh, with rape and with slavery and with all of these things. The reason why they're so abhorrent is because they reduce humans into objects for the gratification of others, for other people's purposes. I think that's what's so upsetting about a lot of the things that we find to be the most upsetting things. Uh, they're the things that deprive humans of their humanity. Uh, and so there's slavery, uh, and Danny, as she thinks about the slavery, is hearing the sounds of the girl being raped on the pile of corpses, a heart-rending sound, a long, sobbing wail. Uh, and Daenerys eventually sort of snaps and says, Look, make them stop. I command you, make them stop. Stop raping this woman. This is really unpleasant. Uh, and so uh, Jorah's like, What? Like, really? You're going to tell me a bunch of Dothraki mid-rape to stop raping? That's not really 
something that I want to do, but uh, but Danny's like, yep, no, uh, you got to stop this. I'm not putting up with this anymore. Uh, you gotta, you gotta end it. Um, and so she says, I want no rape. Uh, and then Jorah's like, look, uh, look, I mean, I understand, I understand what you're saying. Like, you know, you're, you're being gentle, you're being empathetic, but like, this is the way things go. This is war. Welcome to war. Like, this is how it's always been. These people have fought for Khal Drogo, and now they claim their reward. And Danny continues here to hear the girl crying. Uh, and and Quaro, one of the Dothraki, explains to Daenerys. He does. <laughs> he, he 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 mansplains. He Dothraki explains. He says, "Well, well, he, 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 here's the thing, Daenerys. Uh, that girl being raped, she is nothing." The riders are doing her honor by raping her. Uh, the lamb men lay with sheep. It is known. Uh, so it's interesting to see like a sort of a justification, a rationalization uh, for gang raping a child. Uh, so it sort of begins with dehumanization by saying she is nothing. Uh, and then it sort of tries to say this is somehow like a good thing uh, by saying that she is done honor. Uh, and we also have uh, the lamb men lay with sheep. So we have a bit of a sort of a uh, racialized, ethnicized, uh, sort of a sort of a slur, sort of a stereotype to further sort of uh, throw shade on the victim of this rape. Uh, you know, th- this is this is this is not. It, it's kind of reminiscent of you know the Bosnian wars. You know Yugoslavia was a place for a while, and then it wasn't. Uh, then it wasn't a place, uh, and and that de deplacerization of Yugoslavia, the breakup of Yugoslavia, involved an awful lot of conflict. And one of the sort of um, offshoot, I mean, later one one of the bad things that happened in the long run uh, in that sort of area was was around uh, Bosnia and and Herzegovina, uh, and and one of the really unpleasant chapters in that really unpleasant story uh, was between the Serbs and the Bosnian Muslims, uh, where uh, I think it was, well, it was Bosnia and Herzegovina that was trying to become independent from Serbia, and the Serbians didn't like that, I think was the, I think was the basic story. But the, but the Serbs attacked um, some of the Bosnians, uh, and, and, and rape was used to, like, uh, some of the greatest extent in recent uh, history. Uh, rape was used as a tool of weapon. It was it was used uh, by some accounts as a tool of genocide. Uh, the goal was to extinguish the Bosnian ethnic group, uh, and rape was used as a tool to achieve that goal. Um, and and years later, that there's still sort of like trials and attempts to sort of make sense of just what happened, and there's so much uh, conflict and uncertainty and tension still, and it's really. Yeah, the Tutsi genocide. Yeah, good point. That's also uh, not dissimilar, um, because sadly, sadly, it's um, it is not it, the none of these conflicts are unique in having these sorts of horrible things happen. Um, but yeah, the, I guess the point is that there are many real historical parallels to this kind of thing going on. Um, when when one group attacks another group, historically. Uh, there is often an awful lot of killing. There is often an awful lot of rape, and I think George Martin is being quite um, realistic in in the way he describes the ideology and the thinking of some of the rapists, because um, because some of this talk about like the way the Dothraki view the Lazarene is really, I think, reminiscent of the way the Serbians viewed the Bosnians in certain ways. Like like you did get talk of um, 
the Serbs talking about how the Bosnians were like sexually, um, sexually bad in a bunch of ways. I don't remember the specifics, but 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 there were all sorts of like stereotypes and and, and fear mongering um, about about the other side in order to dehumanize them and in order to make it okay to kill them. Um, the idea of doing them honor by raping them, I, I think that is also um, something that was that was used during Bosnia. Um, yeah, I'm so sorry to be so profound, de- profoundly depressing about all of this, but um, it's what the chapter's about, and I think it does have some interesting parallels to reality. Uh, so thanks for weathering this unpleasant episode. Uh, we will continue to march on. Uh, so... Daenerys is trying to prevent this rape from continuing. Uh, and uh, and the Dothraki are like, well, look, this is what we want to do. This is the way it's always been. We have all these justifications, these rationalizations. But Danny's like, all right, all right, if I can't get, get you to stop by just saying stop, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to claim her. I'm going to use the Dothraki cultural laws in order to end this. Um... Uh, and so Danny again, I think, is being quite smart here. So like she, she's getting pretty good at adapting the Dothraki cultural uh, rules in order to get what she wants. Instead of just demanding or using Westerosi ideas, she uses Dothraki cultural ideas. So she says, like, she doesn't try to convince them, oh, like rape is wrong. She doesn't try to convince them against their their Dothraki idea because um, that would probably be a tall order. Instead, she uses a Dothraki, an existing Dothraki idea, to go like, oh. Um, I, I'm going to claim these these women as my own, uh, so that they're not yours, so that you can't rape them. I'm, I'm taking them under my protection, not even protection, but just as my personal slaves instead of your slaves, uh, which which is perhaps just as fucked up, but it achieves Danny's goal uh, of protecting them from rape. Uh, and so uh, and so Danny does it. She demands that this woman being raped is now hers. This girl. Uh, and so Jorah thinks, uh, wow, all right, look, you really asserted yourself there. Uh, you're, you are your brother's sister. And then Danny's like, oh, how so? You mean I'm like Viserys? And then Jorah says, no, you're like Rhaegar. You're like your other older brother, Rhaegar Targaryen. Uh, which on the one hand is, is interesting, um, because it shows, you know, obviously Daenerys' connection to her older brother, Rhaegar. Daenerys is in many ways, uh, seeing herself as Rhaegar's legacy, walking in Rhaegar's footsteps, which is important in a bunch of ways. But also, it's interesting that this is brought up specifically uh, in the context of uh, rape, because one of the big questions of this series uh, is about the relationship of Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark. We're told uh, by Robert Baratheon, by Bran Stark, that Rhaegar Targaryen raped Lyanna Stark. Um, But there's a lot of questioning over whether that's really true. Um... And so it's interesting that that Jorah brings up, uh, like, yeah, for instance, like, we have that bit with Ned, uh, and he's talking about, like, the brothels, and he has this one thought of uh, Rhaegar where he's like, he wonders if Rhaegar liked brothels, and then he thinks, probably not. And many people have taken that as a small, small hint that maybe, like, it doesn't quite fit the idea of Rhaegar having forced himself uh, on Lyanna. Uh, because, I don't know, it, it, it doesn't seem to fit for someone who's so rapey to not like brothels, which maybe is a ridiculous stereotype in and of itself, but again, it, it just doesn't seem to quite align. And similarly, it's interesting that Rhaegar gets brought up and compared to Daenerys in a scene when Daenerys is preventing rape, which again seems to put Rhaegar squarely on the side of not being a rapist, That just, just, just in a sort of a subtle hinting sense in this particular instance. Um... 
I'm so, I'm so, yeah. Anyway, uh, so we continue, uh, and so Jogo and some of the Dothraki are sent to go and end the gang rape. So Jogo goes and tells them some stuff, and then the uh, raping Dothraki actually fight back to some extent, but Danny's Dothraki overwhelm them, uh, and then it ends. And some of the Dothraki are quite upset with Daenerys uh, for interrupting their uh, quote-unquote pleasure. Um, uh, and yeah, so a couple of the Dothraki are killed. Um, and then this one girl, uh, this this girl who was being raped gets brought to Danny, and she's trembling, and her eyes are wide and vague, and her hair is matted with blood. Uh, and Danny gets uh, Doria, one of her handmaidens, to look after her. Um, remember that quote from Stannis and Davos where they're talking about uh, killing... Uh, they're talking about killing Edric Storm, talking about burning him alive. Uh, the parallel in the show was Gendry. Uh, and then Davos or Stannis or whoever says, like... Davos says, like, you know, what is... Well, Stannis says, what is the worth of one boy against a whole kingdom? Because he's saying, well, look, we do have to kill a child, and that's not super G, uh, but in the long run, uh, the value of that, it'll be worth it, because it, we need it for the war effort, because R'hllor will help us, or whatever. Um, and Davos says, everything. The life of one boy against the kingdom is everything. And that's kind of one of the central ideas of this series, which is like about how... Um, which is like about how... The world's fucked, uh, there's war, there's lots of horrible things going on, uh, but what gives it meaning is is the little moments of humanity and tenderness and compassion, and, and, and those are the moments of value in the face of all of the horror. Uh, perhaps the horror makes the moments of peace and tenderness even more significant. That is perhaps one of the central ideas of Game of Thrones. Um, and I think that one boy against a kingdom is sort of paralleled by this one girl here who Danny has rescued. Uh, she can't rescue all of those 10,000 slaves, uh, but Daenerys has managed to save one girl, and perhaps one girl against a kingdom, perhaps one girl against the whole backdrop of suffering and magnitude and awfulness that's going on, perhaps that means nothing, but perhaps that means everything. There's a thought. Um, so she heads further into the town, and it is worse inside the town. There are more headless corpses, there are more burning buildings, and there are more women being raped. And each woman that Danny sees being raped, she claims as her own slave. So she protects them from rape, she takes them into her own service. Uh, and one of these people include a 40-year-old woman, uh, a thick-bodied, flat-nosed woman, uh, who speaks uh, in a rough attempt at the common tongue, at the language of Westeros, which, is in, which in itself is interesting. Um, and so Danny takes all these girls into her wing, and Jorah's like, you can't claim all of them, man, but, but Danny's like, damn, I'll claim as many people as I goddamn want. Uh, and so she's protecting all of these women. Um, and so then they find Khal Drogo outside of a temple that looks like it's shaped like an onion, and he's sitting next to a pile of heads taller than he is. Uh, so Drogo has done a huge amount of killing in this town, and he is stacked his trophies of his killing next to him. Uh, and Danny clumsily dismounts from her horse. She is pregnant still. Um, she's pregnant still, so she's sort of awkward getting off her horse. Uh, and then Danny observes the wounds that Dothraki has taken in his uh, fight, and they seem a little bit worse than Jorah uh, had, had recognised. Uh, Jorah seems to have played down the injuries that Drogo suffered, because uh, one of Drogo's nipples 
is hanging off. Uh, he's 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 taking a cut across the chest, um, like a shallow but 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 broad cut uh, that is that has sliced off a bunch of that that delicious pack of drogos. Uh, so that's a problem, and he's also got an arrow through his upper arm. He's got an arrow in him still, uh, so that's, uh, a problem. Uh, and, uh, and Drogo's like, yeah, look, it's no big deal, you know, I've still got plenty of HP, I'm still all good, um, and I killed the people who wounded me such, so it's totally fine, and Danny's like, wow, you sure are a strong bloke, um, he, he doesn't need both nipples, uh, to survive. Uh, look at that. Uh, and, uh, and then one of the Dothraki turns up at Drogo, uh, and says, like, oh, um, Danny tried to stop me from raping, this is fucked up, what is this? Um, and so we have a discussion amongst the Dothraki about, like, what's all that about, and Danny explains that, yeah, like, I, I chose to protect these women, uh, it pleases me to protect them. Um, so again, she, she doesn't dispute the whole sort of Dothraki cultural idea that slaves only exist for the pleasure of the Dothraki, they only exist to do whatever you want with them. Danny doesn't try to dispute that. She doesn't try to moralize and say, like, oh, this is just the, this is the right thing to do, guys. You've got to behave by my cultural ideals, not by your moral ideals. Uh, instead, she says, look, uh, the Dothraki idea is that you can do whatever you want with slaves. Well, I want to keep them, and I want to protect them. That's just what I want to do. Uh, so she translates her ideals into Dothraki cultural language, which is... Smart. People often say that, uh, that Danny is just fucking dumb and makes bad decisions, and sometimes she does, uh, but I think in this book she demonstrates a lot of uh, sensitivity to this whole sort of cultural game, and I think she's quite smart about getting, uh, achieving her goals a lot of the time. Um, uh, and uh, and, they, and Danny's like, look, uh, if you, look, if you're so desperate to, uh, if you're so desperate to have sex with these women, then, well, take them as wives and treat them gently, uh, and give them sons and, and be good to them. Um, which again is, you know, not necessarily the best situation for these women to be in, but it's certainly better than being slaves, I suppose. Uh, but then the Dothraki are like, no, we're not, we're not taking these women as our wives. These are, these are sheep and the horse does not breed with the sheep, which sounds like a Taiwanism actually. Um, like, you know how Tywin is always talking about how, like, oh, does, does the lion care about what the sheep thinks? W what does the fox say? Like, we sort of have this whole sort of menagerie of animals that are all used as metaphors, with the point always being uh, that one's own family is superior and every other family is inferior. Uh, so the Dothraki think the same. The Dothraki uh, figure that uh, the horses uh, are superior to all of the other animals. Uh, and so they don't have to respect anyone else as people. Uh, and Tywin's the same. He dehumanizes people by saying, if you're not a lion, you ain't shit. If you're not a Lannister, you ain't shit. Dehumanization is um, at the center of evil, I think. Um, and and then Danny continues the animal metaphor and goes, ah, but I'm the dragon, and the dragon eats everyone. It's like how, you know, in like the schoolyard when you played rock, paper, scissors, and you'd go, you know, scissors, paper, rock... Um, and then some snotty little fourth grader would say, oh, I actually use bomb, and bomb beats rock and paper and scissors, and oh, but I use Spock with my with my fingers spread, and, and that one, oh, but I use Superman, airplane. Did you guys have that? Like all those variations on the rock and the paper and the scissors, like people just invent new new hand gestures that ha with new invented properties so that they can always win rock, paper, scissors. Is that something that happened at school with you guys? Because, um, yeah, lighter 
There's a lot of different ones in different sort of cultures, I think. Uh, but I think Daenerys did basically the same thing here. They were playing rock, paper, scissors with horses and sheep, but then Daenerys introduced the dragon. Uh, and and th- th- that's not part of the game, but that's the nature of being a Targaryen. You, uh, you win rock, paper, scissors a lot. Um, so Drogo's like, damn, Danny's really like asserting herself. I'm impressed. It's because she's got the stallion of the world. The stallion amounts the world inside her. It's because she's pregnant with my son. That's why she's so, uh, fierce and strong. Um, and she supports Danny's, Danny's, uh, motion to protect those women and take those women. Cause she's like, all right, Danny's a Khaleesi. She wants it. Fuck. She can have it. She's tough. I, I like that. Um, Drogo admires Danny's fearsomeness here. Uh, and so, great, Danny wins that round, but the Dothraki have much resentment against Daenerys for this, uh, which probably goes against her later when, um, when she, uh, loses Drogo, uh, and her own Kalasar has to separate and go across the Red Waste and all of that stuff that happens, uh, much later on. Uh, Danny having pissed off the Dothraki here probably does not help her out in that later situation. Uh, but it does help out these women. Um, and so Drogo's like, oh yeah, so I got wounded, and Danny's like, yeah, do you want to like get that healed up, mate? We'll get you some health pots, we'll chug some potions, we'll all be good. Uh, and Drogo's like, nah, nah, like I'm, I'm alright, I'm a big tough man, I don't need my nipple, I don't need healing, you know, I'm fine. Um... But then Danny's like, no, look, we should, we should, we should heal you now. Um, but then we have a offer coming up from the woman who Danny saved from rape. Uh, the woman who was speaking the common tongue earlier. This woman steps up and says, yo, uh, I, I can heal Drogo. I can help you out. Um, and, uh, and this is, of course, Miri Mazda. This character is called Miri Mazda, and she's quite an interesting character in a bunch of ways, as we'll soon see. Uh, but basically, we have this conversation where Miri Mazda is offering to heal Drogo, and all the Dothraki are like, fuck off, Like we're not interested in your bullshit. You're some sheep witch. We don't trust you. We don't like you. Shut up. Uh, but Danny says, no, no, no. Like, look, she she, she seems legit. Let's let's get her to heal. Um, and, uh, and the woman speaks Dothraki well, as well as her command of the common tongue. So Miri Mazda... Uh, it seems relatively, uh, clearly on point, smart. Uh, she used to be wearing clothes that were the lightest and finest of woolens, rich with embroidery, but now they're bloody and ripped, uh, after the attack of the Dothraki. Uh, and she claims that, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at healing, Miriam Mazda says, and she describes how she was a, a god's wife, a sort of a priestess healer person, uh, in the temple, uh, in this onion-shaped temple, uh, of the Lazarene. Uh, and, uh, Hago, one of the Dothraki, accuses Miri Mazda of being a magi, uh, which is some kind of a witch, someone who lays with demons and practices sorceries, uh, and sucks the life and strength from men's bodies. It's interesting how the whole sort of witchery thing is sort of framed in terms of women's sexuality in some way, like we're told that she, that, that, that magi lie with demons and suck life out of men, um... Uh, female evil is often presented in terms of female sexuality, which I think is kind of related to that whole talk of, like, how, you know, Cersei is demonized for using, like, feminine forms of power like seduction, uh, while Aya is championed for using male forms uh, of influence, like violence. Uh, And there's something kind of duplicitous uh, about uh, female forms of power being demonized and male forms of power being championed. But that's 
a whole other discussion, perhaps. Um, and so uh, Miri Mazur is accused of being a witch, uh, and Danny's like, eh, she doesn't look like a witch to me. She looks trustworthy. Um, uh, and so uh, we get a bit of a... Miri Mazur basically explains her resume. We get... Uh, uh, we get the CV of Miri Mazda, and she's got a fairly impressive list of claims about what she's uh, what she's been up to. Um, so she says that she uh, she learned about the Lazarine methods of healing with all of the songs and the spells, um, and uh, and then she learned even more about healing by traveling all the way to a shy, a shy by the shadow, that most dark and mysterious of locales to the far east. Uh, and apparently at Ashai, she met lots of different people from lots of different places, and she learned healing from them. She learned healing from a moon singer of the Jogos Nai, who are these people who ride zebras. Uh, and she learned about some Dothraki healing arts from a Dothraki person. And she learned, um, she learned the ways of healing from Westeros, from the sunset lands, from a meister of the citadel. So that's interesting. Uh, and we later find out that this maester is indeed Marwyn the Mage, who we meet in A Feast for Crows. So it's a funny connection between two uh, interesting uh, minor characters here. Marwyn the Mage, that mysterious, enigmatic, eccentric maester of magic from the Citadel in Feast, uh, has apparently met and taught Miri Mazdur, this Lazarine woman, uh, who we meet in the first book. There are lots of funny little interesting connections uh in this series, and this is certainly one of them. Um, and so, uh, the point, though, is that Miri Mazdera is claiming that, well, I'm, I'm pretty fucking good at healing. Uh, like, I've got a really high restoration skill as a result of all of this training and learning that I've been doing from so many different cultures. Um, also probably suggests that Marwan knows, knows some interesting things, given that Marwan has been uh, hanging out with Miri Mazdur and all these different people in a shy. But anyway, so Miri Mazdur is a pretty good healer, she claims. Um, and Jora, yeah, Jora muses on, oh, that is interesting, a maester of the Citadel in a shy, um, which just just sort of adds to Marwan's cred. Um, uh, but yeah, Jora sort of vouches and says that, well, you know, that that do, that does actually sound like Miri legitimately met a maester from the Citadel. So yeah, I guess that does suggest that maybe he does know something about healing. Um, and so the conversation basically concludes by going like, oh, yeah, all right, well, maybe this Miri woman actually is good at healing. Um, and so and so Danny's like, all right, well, let's do it. So Miri, why don't you heal Drogo? And Drogo's like, oh, yeah, all right, I guess, fine. Um, and Miri's like, all right, well, but we got to do it inside the temple. That's where my tools are. That's where my slab is. That's where I can... Uh, that's where my gods look down on me and the Dothraki make fun of her gods because the Lazarine gods are all about... Uh, the Lazarine god seems to be called the Great Shepherd uh, and he's talking about flocks and healing lambs. Jesus was associated with shepherds, wasn't he? He was. He's a big fan of lambs. There's iconography with like Jesus holding a lamb and stuff and he's called the Lamb of God, isn't he? Isn't Jesus called the Lamb of God? So, yeah, mutton. He's, he's, Jesus is, is mutton. Do you think that's what he tastes like when, um, you know, like, uh, you know, like the, the Catholics do the, um, the ceremony where, like, they eat the blood and flesh of Christ? Uh, do you think when they do that, it, the flesh of Christ tastes, tastes like mutton? Do you think? Because, uh, you know, because Jesus is the Lamb of God. Anyway, uh, so they go inside the temple to heal Drogo with Miriam Mazda. <laughs> yeah, no, that is a... 
that is a good image. Oh, I can't read your name. I'm sorry. Uh, I've got to change the background. But uh, the image of uh, Miri Mazda, Marwan, and Melisandre hanging out in a shy, listening to some emo band. I mean, that, that, that right there. I mean, HBO is talking about doing, uh, doing spin-offs and sideshows and things. That right there would be the most watchable thing in the world, would be Miri Mazda, Melisandre, uh, and what? Ch- chuck in Quaith as well. Why not? All of these fucking mystics just hanging out in a shy, just, just, just hanging out, doing black magic, uh, revealing deep, dark secrets, talking about prophecy. That would be a great fucking show. I would watch that. Uh, but anyway, so the point is that Drogo is going to be healed inside the temple. Um, and so, uh, they go in. Oh, and we have a slightly interesting little aside, uh, where, uh, Dothrak, where Drogo, Drogo's, like, quite badly wounded, but, but he's walking on his own, not supported, even though he's kind of weak and he's kind of limping. Um, and Drogo's like, oh, no man, no man will support me, no man will carry me, I'll walk myself. Uh, but then Danny uh, gets under Drogo's shoulder, so um, so Danny supports some of Drogo's weight. And so Danny whispers, I am no man, so you may lean on me. Drogo says, no man will support me, but Danny says, I am no man. So it's a little bit like, you know, like Eowyn in uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, like there's that whole prophecy about like, no man will kill uh, the Witch King. Uh, of Angmar, one of the ring wraiths, uh, and then Eowyn like subverts that prophecy by being a woman. She is no man, but she is the one who kills uh, the Witch King, uh, which is such an overused, uh, silly little uh, uh, idea. I think in 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 little fantasies and prophecies, and indeed just language in general, the idea that you know you use man uh, implying. Uh, person and then you subvert it by saying woman is not man um it 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 is a funny little interesting linguistic thing that like the the word man is often used to mean person uh and there's you know a bit of a push from some people to say like oh well we shouldn't use man to mean person we should use something more inclusive like humanity or whatever which on the one hand is legit but on the other hand man is so good as a word to mean people because it's just one syllable you know um, and, and there's a lot to be said for brevity. Saying humanity is three times as long as saying man. Uh, as someone, as someone who works in very short, very concise online video, uh, alt shrift text notwithstanding, um, having short, concise words is good, and being able to use the word man to mean people, uh, is really pretty useful. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe the language can fall in my favor, eh? Just, just, if you could all write to the Oxford Dictionary and say, yo, uh, could you just put in a good word for my main man, Swifty, uh, and can we please make it that man can mean people without anyone getting upset about the gender exclusion thing? Like, can we just say that man means people now in the context of using it to refer collectively to humanity? If we could do that, that'd be great. That's just a little request from Alt Swift X. Um... Anyway, uh, so Drogo is carried into the temple, the temple shaped like an onion, uh, and there's a big slab in the middle of the temple, and so they lay Drogo down upon the temple. Uh, this, this bit doesn't uh, appear in the show, by the way. They sort of cut the scene before this. Um, but they go inside the temple, they lie him on top of the slab. It's like, uh, it's like uh, the Rocky Horror Show. You know, what, what you got on the slab? There's some good line about the slab in the Rocky Horror Show. Someone can say it in... Um, um, yeah, no, I, I hear you in the comments, Hairless Oyster. We could just say, well, no, woman is excluded. Anyway, look, so they go inside the temple and they lay Drogo upon the slab uh, and they're going to heal him and she puts out some fragrant s- smoke and stuff and um, 
blah 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 um and uh and they also warn Miri Mazda that look you better heal you better heal Drogo properly or we'll kill you mate like you've got a uh, you got to do a good job, and like the the ransom here, the hostage here is you. So if you fuck up, we're gonna kill you. Uh, you got to heal Drogo properly. Uh, but Danny feels she can trust Miri Master. Uh, she had saved her from the rape. She had saved her. Um, so so surely Miri Master is trustworthy. Uh, and this is Danny's mistake right here, isn't it? Because as we know, Miri Master turns out to be uh, not so not so trustworthy. Um, uh, but yeah, Danny for now trusts Miri Mazda. Um, and, uh, Miri's like, alright, you gotta hold Drogo still while I pull the arrows out of him, uh, cause he's probably gonna, you know, wriggle a bit. Stop wriggling, Drogo. Yeah, let's go up to the lab and see what's on the slab. Oh, I fucking love it. Uh, anyway, so, uh, so Drogo's on the slab and Miri's pulling arrows out of him, um, pulls out the shaft, pours in some boiling wine, and Drogo swallows a scream. So we actually see a bit of vulnerability from Drogo, uh, here. We don't see much Drogo in, uh, much vulnerability from Drogo in the show, uh, or indeed in the whole series, but in this case we do see Drogo in pain, uh, while he's being healed and while he's having his bits sewn back up. And so Miri puts a green paste upon the flap where his nipple used to be, um, uh, puts a bunch of ointments and a bunch of jujus on, uh, supposedly to heal Drogo. Uh, though, of course, we know that Drogo does not heal. Uh, his wound only gets worse. Uh, and, uh, and so it's sort of a little uncertain, but it's possible that, um, it's possible that that was a deliberate sabotage by Miriam Master. Um, so, uh, Drogo's being healed, uh, and then they stitch him back up, and Miri's like, yep, take, take two pills twice a day, and say, uh, say three Hail, Hail Marys every morning, and you'll be fine. Uh, and Drogo's like, thanks, Doc, let's go. Well, actually, no, Drogo doesn't say that. So, Miri Mazda warns Miri, uh, warns Drogo to don't drink wine, uh, and don't take milk of the poppy, uh, exercise well and eat your greens. And then Drogo says, fuck that, I am Carl. I spit on pain and I drink what I like. Let's get out of here. Which is such, <laughs> such a great line, such a fun line. Uh, very badass, very masculine line. Also quite a dumb line because, of course, um, uh, oh, goodbye, Oyster. Also quite a dumb line because, um... Because, you know, if you want to live long, you probably should follow the doctor's orders. Well, not this particular doctor. Look, we're getting sidetracked. Let's continue. Uh, but the point is that Drogo gets healed ostensibly. In actual fact, he might be sort of poisoned with some of this green paste stuff. Whatever. Um, and then Drogo walks out. Um, and then Drogo says, yep, it's time to ride. Uh, and so Drogo does the cultural equivalent of getting on his motorcycle, uh, his motorbike, and just revving the fuck out of there and riding into the sunset like some kind of badass engine cowboy. Um, and he just rides on out. And then we finally mention that, yeah, um, remember, Magi, remember, Miri Mazda, if, if Drogo does well, you do well. If Drogo dies, you die too. And Miri Mazda sort of ominously just sort of says, well, you know, the great shepherd guards the flock. Uh, which can sort of be be interpreted in a bunch of ways, eh? Uh, Miri Mazda, presumably at this point, has already planted the seeds of her betrayal of Drogo. 
Um, and it's later on. I think we'll talk later on about what Miriam Azdeh was sort of up to here in terms of her deliberate sabotage, because uh, there's all these sort of ideas about how, you know, uh, she realizes that her life is forfeit if Drogo dies, but she feels that her life is forfeit already. Her life has already been destroyed by the destruction of her community uh, in the Lazarene. Uh, uh, and so we have a sort of interesting moral lesson there from Miriam Azdeh, uh, a lesson which, which Danny only really takes as meaning, I better not trust anybody because they might poison my boyfriend, uh, which, you know, on, on one hand is sort of fair enough. Uh, if your boyfriend gets poisoned, you're probably uh, liable to, uh, <laughs> to be a bit less trusting in the future. Anyway, so that was episode 62. Was that 62? 62 of Game of Thrones Abridged on Alt Swift. X. We talked about some unpleasant things, uh, but 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 we had a giggle as well. Uh, is that a good thing or not? Who knows? Uh, thank you for weathering this 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 storm with Alt Drift X. Um, thank you for remaining semi-civil in the uh, in the comments. Uh, we are gonna, of course, <laughs> have many more unpleasant chapters in the future because this is Alt Drift X. Um, and unpleasant things happen. Spoiler. Unpleasant things happen in this series. Uh, but also some interesting things, and also some things which I think reveal, uh, which I think reveal uh, interesting little literary truths and shit, uh, and that's why we read it. Uh, Lawn Gnome King, thank you for, don- for your donation. Lawn Gnome King says, have a nice weekend. Have a nice weekend, everybody. And have a nice weekend, Lawn Gnome King 35. Lawn Gnome King uh, has kindly been running the Discord. There is an, uh, there is an official Alt Shrift X uh, Discord channel where all your little Swifties, all your little Swiftites, Shwif- little, little Swifticles, uh, can hang out. Uh, and it's quite a lovely place where some funny things happen. So uh, you all should go to the Discord. Uh, there's a link in the description. Uh, and, uh, and that place is run by Lawn Gnome King. So thank you, Lawn Gnome King, for your kind... Uh, your kind shepherding of the rabble in the Discord. Um, and yes, we also had a kind donation from Matthew Tyler, uh, who wanted more food descriptions. Uh, food descriptions, he says. Marmite or Vegemite. All right, so perhaps we'll close out this episode uh, with a Marmite or Vegemite food description. Um, and I think, I, I think we've, got, we've got something for this, actually. Uh, if you'll just... Uh, if you'll just bear with me for for one moment, uh, all right. It, you 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 hearing this? We've got we've got sound effects now, guys. I'm assuming you guys can hear this. All right, but we're gonna do a food description about Vegemite to this tune, right? So it's gonna be great. So we got salt, right? We got dark. We got yeast, right? Fucking yippee, because we got the Vegemite. It's so fucking gross. It's bitter, right? And some people think the glasnost. Uh, all right, we're going to abandon rhyming. But, but it's fucking Vegemite. Or should you go with Marmite, right? One's from Britain and one's from Australia. And, like, which one should you go with? They always do that on those American, on those American shows when you have, like the people trying Vegemite and those shitty YouTube channels, it's like, whoa, Vegemite, how should you respond to that, you know? What's going on? Uh, and then there's like a Vegemite challenge, which is like the cinnamon one, except it's even worse, but it's got vi- vitamins, man. Uh, oh, fuck. It's so hard to half-ass rhyming. Jesus Christ. Uh, but look, Vegemite uh, is obviously the correct one. Marmite is is some kind of British abomination. Vegemite has everything that you need in it. It's it's basically bread. 
uh, in a jar, uh, but like black, uh, and uh, and uh, it's pretty delicious. <laughs> no, Vegemite's amazing. You know how like Sam Gamgee talks about like oh potatoes, you can you can peel them, chop them, boil them, put them in a, in a stew. Vegemite is the equivalent of that. Vegemite is the most uh, is, is, is the most versatile of food products, uh, because you can butter it up onto your scone, uh, you can, you can bathe in it, you can, uh, put it under your underarm, you can, uh, you can have a, you can do all sorts of things with Vegemite, uh, and in that respect, it's just like Sam Wise's potato. Uh, so that was, uh, you know, a bit of a train wreck of an episode, uh, but that's what's wonderful about Old Trift X. It's like a slow motion train wreck that you can uh, you can watch live across all the internets. Uh, and I thank you all for participating. Uh, and we'll have more episodes soon. We'll probably have some more um, more uh, impromptu episodes when you least expect it. Um, uh, so keep tuned for that. Uh, keep tuned for more fucking sound effects. We'll work out how to use them properly in the future. Uh, but but sound is good, isn't it? We've been underusing sound so far. Uh, but yes, thank you all. Uh, go to the Discord, go to the Facebook, go to the wherever. Uh, and uh, as Lord Gnome suggests, uh, all have a wonderful weekend. Cheers. <laughs>